We shall overcome. We shall overcome. We shall overcome one day. In the real world, oh, with cars and houses and time, there lived two bohemian housewives with deep midwestern roots then one day they were airlifted and dropped into the middle of crown heights brooklyn in the middle of summer these are their stories Hey, Lauren. Hi. Happy birthday, Becca Claver, doctor of PhD. <laughs> it's still my birthday month. It's birthday month for Becca. <laughs> it's flying by. It is flying so by. So much happening, but yeah, technically still my birthday month. It's still your birthday and month, for sure. And we're still in cancer, so. Oh, yeah. It's, it's very, like, very much your birthday month. It's still my birthday month on a couple of levels. <laughs> I think it's your birthday month on a, on a lot of levels. It's real. And it's also like. We're halfway through tomorrow, mm-hmm. not even yet. So, like, we've got, it's very much your birthday month. Becca's birthday is the first of July. But it's it's true. Summer just, it just goes so fast. Yeah, people are in town. Everybody's out of their houses doing things. So much pressure to be outside. A lot of cancer birthdays, summer birthdays in general. Lots of stuff. Lots of, lots of outings, lots of rooftop partying, lots of rooftop selfies. Yeah. So many selfies the on the beach. rooftops. Beach, the beach, park. beach, beach, park, park, the... park. Yeah. You got the whole shebang. <laughs> it's like... There's and then there and then there's the there's like the hot time summer in the city stuff and then there's the like oh no we're going up to the Catskills this weekend right oh oh excuse me we'll be in the Hamptons this weekend that's right oh I'm just which I have like just barely experienced at all in my almost seven years of living in New York but I feel like this summer is the summer I'm getting like a little taste of that okay and you know it's like do you, nice. how do you like yeah. <laughs> I, it's surprising because I like not I the Hamptons, always, yeah, but like yeah. well, well Hamptons is pretty not beautiful. even I guess the Berkshires. The Berkshires yeah. is where I where I've been at. Sure. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. I haven't been to I mean, I've been to the Hamptons one well, once when I was a kid and then once as an adult because my um friends parents live out there and it is real like the beach is gorgeous. Yeah. I mean the attitude is not so gorgeous. <laughs> but the beach is gorgeous. And like if somebody's got some Hamptons crib they want me to post up at and yeah. get a tan, yes I will. Yes. Yes, I will yes, go on a boat on the are ocean. Good yes. We are really good. Friends. I care about what you have to say <laughs> so much more than I thought I did. <laughs> yeah, I but, you know, I'm more, I used to consider myself more of a mountain person than a beach person. Mm. I think that's because of growing up on Lake Michigan, which looks like an ocean, guys. If you haven't seen it, you can't even see the horizon. It's breathtaking. It's absolutely <laughs> magnificent. And, <laughs> yeah, I feel like um, mountains felt so different to me and the air feels so, like, crisp and fresh. And we all know how I feel about cold stuff, cool breezes. Um but I slowly but surely really love the beach so much. And 
turns out I should because there's a beach right here. There are beaches all around. There's beaches. People don't always think of New York City no, as a big beach place. But it's like mad beaches everywhere. There are a lot of beaches. And there's also like beaches up on the, on the river. Up Like if you live up in like Washington Heights or like Harlem uh-huh. or something, there's like, aren't there, there's like, By there's beaches. By my sister's in the Bronx, there's Orchard Beach. Is that on the river, on East River, or is it on the ocean? It might be on the east side on whatever that is, Long Island Sound. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe that's, maybe that's more of what, because yeah. I, there is one on the west side on the Hudson, though, I think, like a beach, right? There's got to be. It's a waterway, so there's got to be beach Sounds parts. Amazing. Yeah. I just figured there were like cliffs. Yeah, there are, there's a lot of cliffs. Deep drops. Yeah. There's also <laughs> Central Park, which I'm really thankful to honoring our sisters, mm. JT. For goodbye, JT. Goodbye, goodbye, JT. We miss you very much. Me but too. JT and Sean had a really great going away party that Becca... It was a fake surprise party. ...planned. <laughs> <laughs> but it was the only time I've been in Central Park. I don't know, maybe in, I mean, years. Yeah. Like, I've walked through, but to sit in Central Park and, like, spend hours there... Yeah. I have... I don't know if I've ever done that in New York. Yeah. JT and I did it in April. Well, it was April 1st, because it was her and Sean's anniversary, and it happened to be, like, 75 degrees outside, and we just had this picnic, and it was, like, stormy all day, and then, like, we decided to have a picnic anyway, and the skies cleared, and we did it. So, I think it became, like, a mini tradition for us in, like, the... Yeah. In the three months before she left town. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But so I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm done going to picnic in Central Park. But yeah, sometimes you do these things, especially like after a long winter, which this one was, or just like, you know, like, you just don't always like get up and like plan a big picnic or trip to the beach or whatever. And you do these things and you're just like, why don't I do this all All the time? time? Like it's so much easier than I think. My quality of life would be much higher. This subway trip was not bad at all. Like I can totally make this happen. Um, yeah, I also had that feeling when over the 4th of July weekend, I... When you mean your birthday weekend. <laughs> my birthday weekend. <laughs> my birthday weekend This is major, guys. This is major, guys. Get into this because this is major. My birthday weekend corresponds often with the 4th of July weekend since I have a fixed birthday and the 4th of July is a fixed date as well. <laughs> <laughs> cool, cool. Anyway, it's sort of like can make my birthday wonderful or terrible and this time it made it wonderful in that I got an awesome invitation to go to Bernadette Mayer's 4th of July party. So many poets out there know Bernadette Mayer's work. I wrote about her in my dissertation. So this was, I just, like, for the people who don't know if there's any comedians who listen and guys, if you do, shout out because I just feel like I'm so thankful for the poetry community for listening to our podcast, but I also feel a little slighted by my own community. So, like, fucking show up, comedians. <laughs> Real Housewives of Bohemia at gmail.com. <laughs> comedians for Bernadette Mayer. Yeah, exactly. This is, I mean, this is a major, I, I, don't, I am not familiar with Bernadette Mayer's work, but I know her via Becca, but I know that this is like, a, that this was like, like, there is no... Like, we cannot overstate the importance of the fact that this legitimate OG real housewife of Bohemia, who you wrote about, like, you just said the sentence, but I'm just going to, like, put periods after every word. Becca, Dr. Becca Claver, PhD, (laughs) wrote about this woman and her work in her dissertation and then turned her dissertation in and in the same year got invited to 
Bernadette Mare's home for a party <laughs> on her 35th birthday weekend. So just, we're good. I just yeah. needed to reiterate everything that's going on. Yeah, it was it's like... major. It was like a rite of passage. Yeah, it was like... <laughs> oh, I'm so excited about it! Yeah. Oh! yeah. It was a special birthday invitation. And so before I went, I was like oh shit I never sent her my dissertation chapter like I said I was going to do and like I wrote her back in the fall before I turned it in officially just to get permission to reprint some stuff from the archives that I had like you know copied and pasted and like put in my dissertation like scans from her journals from the 70s or whatever oh god and so oh my god oh I gotta get permission to do that and so I wrote to her and um, her partner, Phil, who does her emails, like wrote me back and was like, Bernadette says, sure, and the fee will be $1, <laughs> which, was, which was so cool. But like a total slacker, I had just like never sent the chapter and the fee. And so in order to kind of make up for this, the week before I went up there, I mailed the dissertation chapter and a $2 bill. Yeah, you did. Oh my God, <laughs> yeah. Becca, I didn't know It that. was like the only $2 bill I had. Like probably the only $2 bill I'll ever have. But I was like, well, this is where I, it's got to go. Absolutely. If someone charges you $1 permission fees, that's so cool to begin yeah. with. Yeah, And yeah. okay, so I just wrote a note about, you know, like for, for interest and good luck. (laughs) (laughs) And so as soon as I arrived at her home in East Nassau, which happens to be like two houses away from the writer Lydia Davis's home, that's a little literary gossip for you guys. We were making jokes about that the whole time. Oh God, how, those must be Lydia Davis's fireworks. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so I get there. Poet humor, guys. And I'm like, like, you know, like awkwardly introducing myself to people or whatever. And everyone's like, oh, you're the one who sent the $2 bill. (laughs) (laughs) And so it turned out to be like the best move possible because like I was like known upon my arrival, not as like the person who had written a dissertation chapter about Bernadette Mayer, but as the person who sent the $2 bill. As it should be. So amazing. As it should be. Like that's how I'd rather be known, you know. Becca, my my (laughs) pop pop, my dad's dad used to send me $2 bills. I have a couple in my like, like, memories boxes yeah I should and my dad keeps one in his wallet but this is reminding me I need to they are so <laughs> special and I love it. you guys I also want you to know that sometimes we're smart enough to not tell each other stories because we want to share them on the podcast That's so this right. is my first time hearing <laughs> this story it's very exciting yeah I'm sorry to interrupt keep going no. um so yeah so when I finally stopped being shy and like went up and said hi to Bernadette she was talking with some guy, I think one of her publishers, and he too was like, oh, are you the one who said this <laughs> And then Bernadette was like, yeah, yeah. And she just like reaches over and picks up her wallet or like it's in her pants or something. I don't know. And she takes out her wallet and the $2 bill was right there in the wallet, which just was even Oh my God, cooler. Like she's just carrying around this $2 bill that I gave her. So I feel like that is like going to bring me good fortune. Absolutely. Right? Okay. <laughs> Oh my god, double. 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 It's two. a two. It's a two. It, it's a it's a two for. Yeah. So at least, you know, maybe I'll get 2 years of good fortune out of this. Let's I <laughs> I think it might be four. Yeah. 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 Oh my god. So was it 
Okay, so it, how long do you think it took you to not be shy? <laughs> like how, uh, Maybe like half an hour. Oh, that's not long. Yeah. And how did it, did, did it feel like, so how many people were there? I don't know. Maybe at the height of it, there were like 30 people there. It wasn't a huge party. Massive. I think it's been, it's been going on for like 17 years, they said, this party. Wow. And this was like kind of the smallest year. Um, there weren't that many people who came up from the city, or maybe we were the only people who came up from the city. Uh, me and Katie and Marissa um, honoring our Bernadette Mayer pilgrimage sisters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, but part of the party is um, there's always a poetry reading. So oh my we God. also I had didn't to, know about that part. Yeah. And then I saw the picture on Instagram yeah. of you standing. And I also just want to commend you. Like, I really like your poetry reading stance. <laughs> I feel like, I know it's like, it's like commanding and soft and sturdy and glowing. Aww. I want you to know that. That's so nice. That's what I thought when I saw the picture. And it and it's and I've seen you read before, obviously. And it's just you know, it's like I just I don't know. It just I was like, oh yeah, I've seen Becca stand that way before. Yeah, I don't know. But what I have a weird like a special thing. posture. I think maybe. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. Good to know. Thanks. Yeah. So. So how did that feel? Did it feel crazy? There was to also read this thing like, how do you choose? We everyone read one poem, and so it's like, how do you choose the one poem that you're trying to impress Bernadette Mayer with? Oh <laughs> my god! And so that was pretty terrifying. So I ended up reading a found poem, which is like sort of a cop out, but people liked it. It was um, a found poem of text from social media in like the like immediate moment after um, Osama bin Laden was killed. Like, uh-huh. what people were writing on social media. I just, like, copied and pasted it all and yeah. put it in a document and, like, forgot about it. And then I was looking through all my files trying to finish my book manuscript for Empire Wasted. And I found Coming that, out this fall. Coming out this fall from Blue Book. <laughs> <laughs> and I, um, I found this document and I was like, oh, this is actually, like, a poem. Like And, like, the years had passed and, like, there was some distance right, from it. Sure. And I was like, what people were saying about, you know, the killing of Osama bin Laden was, like, kind of poignant or whatever um and so i was like okay this is like a fourth of july celebration i'm gonna read this like weird dark (laughs) 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 i'm just gonna read this weird like dark america America. (laughs) actually that's a line in the poem Of course it is. I mean, of course it yeah. is. I love. Of course, I didn't write I it. I bet everybody on social media. I mean, that's probably what I would have said had I posted about it. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, funny. That was a that was a joke at the time, and yeah, that's so, hysterical. So I read that poem. I think it went over fine. Um, but the best part of the poetry reading was when this guy Chad came in the door, and in the middle of the poetry reading, you saw like a you whoever could see out one (laughs) whoever could see out the front door could see a blue pickup truck like kind of come up and it looked like something official was happening and like the reading was starting and Phil went out to see what's going on and I was like do we need to move the rental car is it parked like on someone else's property and like you know I thought I thought I'd done something wrong of course yeah right Catholic guilt all the time (laughs) all the time every day anyway um so then the reading goes on, and then this guy comes in the back door, and there's, like, a break in the reading, but I sort of thought of it as, like, a poem unto itself. Of course you did. <laughs> Fucking God, Becca. Where, where Chad, the neighbor boy, I mean, he's probably, like, 25 or something, but Chad, the neighbor boy, um, 
was coming over to announce that um, his. Be, <laughs> Sorry, this is this is heavy. He had like mowed the lawn. He had mowed a path from Bernadette Mayer's property down to the creek behind her house, like by some picnic table. Anyway, like he had made this area accessible because his father, Chad's father, had recently passed away mm-hmm. and was like. Um, he had been a tyrant and, oh, wow. and would not let Bernadette Mayer and family like have oh. access have access to this like nice little area by the creek. And so Chad came over to be like, oh, hello, I have done this God. thing. I'm now the man of the family. I mean, he didn't say that, oh, but that's exactly what was going on. God. And it like he just talked like um I, you know, he almost looked like he was from Wisconsin or something. Like, he yeah, just yeah, had, yeah. like, a real, like, down-home yeah. way of talking. Of course he did. And it just, like, broke your heart. Like, he was just, oh, like, my in this time of God. grief. Like, it seemed like it was very recent in this oh, time of grief. He had, like, decided to, like, step up and do this, like, good neighborly oh. thing. And this is in the middle of fucking poetry reading. And, like, I was just, like, my mouth was hanging open. And I was just, like, Chad. Chad wins best poet. <laughs> Amazing. Oh my god. That is so beautiful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that is so beautiful. Yeah. So I mean that's really great. My stepfather's name was I know. Chad. Like I wasn't even which thinking of it until I tried right, telling the story I and I was like, oh my god. No, yeah. it's so that's so yeah. important to me because also like I'm just gonna take it to this space for a second. I've been watching The Bachelorette and this like evil so like psychopath not even so like psychopath was named chad and so like the most i've heard chad's when i say chad's name i mean my stepfather chad's name i've been hearing just like you know vicious attacks on this literal like dangerous man that was on the show and was i mean if anyone out there is watching the bachelorette it was like people were like concerned that like the authorities hadn't been called because he was like hunting people like it's he was nuts so i am so relieved and so thankful to hear chad's name used in such a beautiful story and that there's this 25 year old chad who's like doing beautiful things to right the wrongs of maybe not wrongs but like sounds like wrong yeah Yeah. right the wrongs of his families you know what i mean and like he's yeah i mean how beautiful is that yeah it was so beautiful and then there was a chad part two later in the evening after it was dark was he cute um i didn't really like get a good look at him okay because i kind of want to marry him um there were there were some rumblings that he was gay. So oh, okay, well, good for him. Good. <laughs> yeah. I hope he finds love. Yeah. I just so do I. I hope I find love as well. Okay, continue. Sorry, so, <laughs> I don't mean to burst your bubble. That's okay. I, I'm just happy for everybody. I just hope we all find love. I don't want to be alone forever. I'm gonna get a dog in the, in the fall. Okay, keep going. <laughs> so Chad part two. So Chad part two after dark. Chad after dark. <laughs> After dark, he came over once we had like a fire going in the backyard and it was not, you know, it's mostly just family left and like the those of us who were sleeping over. Um, 
Chad came over with a box of fireworks and like oh my god just like handed them off like hey you guys might have some fun with these check these out and we did and Katie threw a bunch of them into the fire and they made large explosions (laughs) 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 so yeah we had we had some times um but yeah. Oh my god. Chad just kept coming over with like more offerings. Someone said, I don't know if this is just speculation or verified, but someone said he had Googled Bernadette Mayer at some point. I was just gonna and say. realized like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, my neighbor should, is like have like, some respect here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, 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 right. And I was wondering, like, is Chad a poet? Mm. Like maybe Chad has some you know in, in a way. You know what I, and turns out he is. <laughs> yeah. Turns out he absolutely at is. heart. At heart. He yeah. is in a poet maybe not with words but with actions. That's exactly right. Yeah, he's an action poet. <laughs> he's an action. <laughs> is there poet. such thing as that I hope? I now there so is. Too. Yeah. I, I would say probably. Yeah. Maybe I'm an action poet. Yeah. I feel like I'm an action poet, maybe. Yeah. As a scholar of poetry, I would say probably. Yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> It's so good to have a scholar of poetry as your BFF because you get to like just find out if you too are a poet exactly. in a lot of different ways. I can tell you, and I'll be honest. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. Oh my god, Becca. So that I mean, yeah, it was very special, and definitely felt like some kind of rite of passage, a ritual, or just like the coolest know, thing on the planet. Yeah, like. I, I never would have thought I would get a chance to do that. Right. And I kind of, like, still don't really believe it happened. Right. <laughs> you know? It was, totally. It was really special. Yeah. That's... I was trying to think if I've ever had any, like, birthday moments like that. And I do think um, when I turned 30, I was with my ex-boyfriend in Paris. And we spent the day before my 30th birthday and the day after my 30th birthday with the artist, the street artist C215, mm-hmm. who I had been photographing for like years before I even met my ex. And we like went to his home and um, my ex had arranged to like trade artwork with him. So like my 30th birthday present was a piece of his artwork. And we, you know, had a glass of wine with him. I hung out with his then girlfriend who is also a street artist and a big deal now. Um, Alice, who is Italian, and I think is living in Rome now. Um, but yeah, so that was special, but I hadn't, I mean, that was like very special for me, but it wasn't like, I mean, being in, I mean, I was in his home, but it was just a different situation. I also, when I turned 14, my dad was having um, one of his shows for Courage in Sports. It was like this awards show. And Gabrielle Reese, the beach volleyball player, was there to present an award. (laughs) And so I got to hang out with her, and I played volleyball at the time. So that Mm -hmm. was a major deal. But none of these things, I don't think... Were you a spiker? um, I, yeah, kind of. Yes, I was. Yeah, because I'm tall. tall. I'm blocker, spiker, yeah, that kind of thing. Um, certainly not a setter. Although I can set, you know, I could set. They called me the one-armed bandit. Oh my god. (laughs) Every time we podcast, I learn new things about Becca. (laughs) I can't believe it, but like, from water ballet to one-armed banditry. I want most team spirit. Yeah. (laughs) Wait, JV volleyball, not freshman. (laughs) Most team spirit is the funniest thing, because like, I won MVP. (laughs) 
like, no, I'm like, a jock. Yeah, I mean, you're a little jockey. I'm not for a water jock at all. I'm not a jock at all. That's why I win most team spirit. Right. Sure. It was like, no, I mean, I was, that's the. I was such a good team member, but I wasn't right. like skilled. You know. <laughs> that's funny. You know, I as soon as right as a former MVP of volleyball yeah. and basketball. Um, I know, I know what a most team spirit award is about. I was almost like the mascot. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's funny. That is funny, <laughs> guys. Sometimes I get up to get more wine. Um, this time it's champagne, but because Becca knows what's up. Um, so yeah, so yeah, so so yeah, right. So and then um, did. We saw, and then, but before that, wait, are there any other, is that, oh, there's, there's a, tornado a tornado inside of the, whoa. wow, that was amazing. There's a tornado Is there going to be another one that's kind of still it's like there? It hasn't totally stopped, a tornado of bubbles In, inside the champagne See, bus. I think that you have a very auspicious year ahead of you. Wow. There was a tornado watch on my uh, birthday. And like today too, no? Yes, I got I caught was in, in New it. Jersey, so I didn't really oh, it experience was what you experienced. It, it was, was far insane. Away. What happened? I had just gotten out of acupuncture, and um, she had said to me, like, maybe take a walk a little bit, because I had come in really car sick. I was running late, so I couldn't take the train. I took a cab, and um, so she was like, maybe take a walk. And, like, as I walked out, and it said 4.15, it's going to thunderstorm. And I walked out at 4.05, and I, it's in Guanas, so you can, like, See the weather coming, the weather coming and it was unbelievable. It was like, whoa, this is crazy. Like the sky was like slightly green, like not midwestern green yeah. tornado coming, but like whoa, like crazy a crazy like happening front of massive yeah. clouds coming in. And I got and I was trying to get to Whole Foods, honoring our sisters. Camelia Bedelia is coming to my house tomorrow, and I'm so excited. And um from Chicago and so I have no food of course and I because whatever so I was trying to get to Whole Foods so I'm at on 3rd Avenue and 12th Street trying to get to 3rd Ave and 4th Street mm-hmm. to get into the the Broad City yeah. Whole Foods yeah, yeah the Broad City Whole Foods mm-hmm. and as it is known yeah, as, it, as it must be known <laughs> yeah. and um, I got to 7th before it started just I mean downpour like yeah. downpour and it was wild it was really wild but yeah, we kind of missed it in Central Jersey. I guess I work really far away. Because yeah, it turns totally out. Totally different weather. Well, it does take you, what, two hours to get there? Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it rained a little bit. But I saw, I was, like, checking the weather to see what was up, and I saw that Brooklyn was going to be insane. It was insane. <laughs> another thing that was insane, so another thing, so the day before Becca left for um, Bernadette Mayer's house was her actual birthday. It was Friday, the 1st. And um, it was Friday that we went. It was because you meant to do it Saturday. Wait, no, no, it, it was, was Thursday. Thursday. Yeah. So it wasn't your actual birthday, or was it? No, it was the day before, before my your birthday, birthday because it was going to rain on your birthday. So yeah, I I wanted to go to the beach on my birthday, and then the forecast looked stormy, and there did end up being a storm and a tornado watch on my birthday. So it was the right call not to go to the beach on my birthday. So the last minute, I decided to go on the day before on Thursday and was just like, you know, if anyone can make it great. Otherwise, like I'm just going because it was like 82 and yeah, it was sunny. Perfect. It was gorgeous. It was this perfect beach day. It was gorgeous. And I just like really needed to do that. Yeah. Like I just needed like 
a little like baptismal action please, like please. Need, needed to yes. submerge and reemerge. Yes. And so I was just like, I'm gonna do it no matter what brought like very minimal amount of stuff so like if I just had to leave my stuff and bury it under my towel it'd be fine um just mostly like sunbathed like went in hung out great day in Brighton Beach and yeah. then well and I I got the news that the day had changed mm-hmm. and I had some stuff to do but I was damned if I wasn't gonna go to Becca's beach birthday party <laughs> so I was very excited to go, and I took the train, which was shockingly easy, (laughs) and couldn't believe it, and then got out in Brighton Beach, which is a different universe. I love New York. I mean, Chicago's like that, too, because the neighborhoods are so distinctive in Chicago, and I always think of Chicago, you know, they call Chicago the city of neighborhoods, and it's like, what, 73 different neighborhoods or something like that, (laughs) to be exact. (laughs) I know, it's like, what is it? Look at my map on the wall. Um... But New York does it too, but it does, it's, New York is so massive, but it's also so compact. Mm-hmm. And it like, so you don't necessarily think it's going to shift so much so quickly. Right. And it does. Yeah. And so that, so be, walking out in Brighton, I was like, I don't even know which way the beach is, but I guess I'll follow, I'll go towards the wind. Like I'll have the wind facing me because I assume that that's coming off the ocean. Because the Atlantic. You followed the wind. Ocean. Yeah, of course I did. <laughs> so good. I did. I couldn't even because I couldn't figure out like which way I was facing on my maps. It wouldn't load or whatever. Yeah. And of course, like I forget that the ocean, the ocean, it's major is next to cruise us. Cruise ships going out. Cruise to sea. ships. Like sometimes I'm sitting here writing and I look out the window and seagulls are passing my window, and it's like, oh right, because the ocean is all around, is literally everywhere around us in every direction. In is every water. direction. Yeah. Is water. Yeah, that's the weird thing about living here. Like in Milwaukee and Chicago, the water's to the east, and so yep. you always know where east is because that's where the, the lake water is. is. Yeah. In LA, when I lived there, the water was to the west, and so like that helped me keep direction. In Brooklyn, it's like you're just always kind of spun around in every yes. direction because there's water everywhere. There's water everywhere. Thank God for these two water signs, you yeah, guys. Come exactly. on. We need it we, very badly. We very much like to very be surrounded by water. Yes. Yeah. So. I um I arrived at Brighton Beach to see my birthday girl and um, honoring her sister Keelan and honoring our little sister's baby, little sister. tiny Jane Jane <laughs> was there and um, hanging out, which was great. And we posted up. We had some fun. I brought rosé, obviously. Couldn't not bring Such the rosé. Yeah. And also like brought a bottle, but also filled another like bottle that keeps cool yeah what's that bottle called again? i don't know what it's called Let, I'll have, a, you know what let me look at it i'll look at it right now let's tell those people Speak we will do it. advertising <laughs> <laughs> because we're just gonna advertise this bottle anyway so we may as well need, oh, look at, give oh, some money for it swell, swell. s and it will like hold your hot or your cold for like the cold it stays the hot stays hot for like 12 hours, the cold stays cold for like eight. Turns out, you guys, the only reason to get one is to put wine in it. <laughs> and then it stays for the, park or the for, the, for the park or the beach or the parties where they're only serving beer. DCM. Ooh, so smart. Yeah, so there was a smart. big, huge improv festival where, I, where it came in handy. And it was like 50 bucks. I'm not sure it was a gift, but it's probably not cheap. I don't know if it's fifty, but Seems it's probably it. like it. But honestly, I I think so. And on, and I think I should get a 
wine-sized bottle one, like a larger one, <laughs> yeah. so I could put a whole bottle in. There you go. I was pretty impressed with how much it saved. But yeah, so we did that. So we had some, you know, illegal uh, rosé on the beach and enjoyed ourselves. And um, it was great. Sun was setting. It was gorgeous, gorgeous clouds and. Keelan and Jane left. Yeah, Keelan and Jane left. Bedtime. Bedtime. Bex and I just kept chilling, bathing suits oh, you call on. Me Bex. Yeah, That's I did. Cute. It. I almost. <laughs> I don't know what happened, but it felt weird out of my mouth. And because not only do you call me Becca, you call me Doctor Becca, Becca Claver PhD. PhD. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, call me whatever you want. Yeah, I mean, listen. I mean, I. But yeah, I it mean, was cute. Um, so, yeah, so, um, and we're chilling and I've got like my back towards, I'm like, you're facing mo- the ocean. Yeah. I'm mostly looking at the ocean back towards with my back ha- was towards the sun and you were looking at the boardwalk, uh, back against the ocean and like had gotten a little bit of a weird stance in your seated position. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if one can have a stance while seated, um, and, cu- and you made mention of something like weird had just happened and mm-hmm. someone was like watching us. And, you know, every time I go to a public beach, which is every beach, I don't know. Are there private beaches? There <laughs> I think are there are, right? Beaches, there are private beaches. Sure. So, but when I'm at like the park or if I'm just like chilling, I always assume that men are going to harass me. I just, yeah. it just happens. It's not like I can't. I, I stay home to read the book instead of go to the park on a blanket because I know that somebody's going to come and harass me. It just It's just the fact of the matter is just yeah. that's it. And I think maybe because of going to like North Avenue Beach and Oak Street Beach in Chicago growing up, like that was just the way that it was. It was just you couldn't go without having people harass you. And so we hadn't been spoken to quite yet, but you were like someone staring at us and I hadn't seen this person yet. Um... And then I kind of, like, I was turned around, I guess, and, like, saw... Well, the beach had, like, pretty much cleared out by That's this true, point, because like there was this, a big cloud cover for a minute. There was a, a cloud minute. cover, and the sun was going down, so I think a lot of people just sort of decided, ah, that's it, that's the end of the beach day. Right. So just as everybody was leaving, I see this guy with a cane, like, come and, like, up. like, a haggard-ass fucking face. Yeah, like, come up and sit, like, um... 10 feet away from us. Yeah. And, you know, it's a big beach and it's mostly empty at this point. So right. it's one of those, like, even in New York, that's like a public, that's like a, yeah. a space violation. Yeah. You know, like, right. you, you don't sit that close. Yeah, you don't need all to that do that. Yeah. And then stare yeah. at us, yeah. which is what was happening. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And you alerted me to him. And he. So then it was like, okay, well, what should we do? Should we leave? We don't want to leave. Yeah. You know, we had still had some rosé. Beautiful night. Beautiful, gorgeous hang night. Out. It's birthday night. We want to hang out at the beach. We never... This is like this revelation that like, oh my God, you can just take the train and be at the Atlantic Ocean in 30 minutes. Like, it takes longer for me to get to Midtown. Like, I just, you know, <laughs> like, I just like, I, this is amazing. I don't want to stop. And um, so then he got up and like went to the beach to the ocean mm-hmm. and on his way back he stopped and stood directly next to us mm-hmm. and started talking kind of like gibberish mm-hmm. saying some stuff he's not a native english speaker so like it was kind of like jumbled sentences a little bit um 
but like definitely predatory. Like it wasn't, it wasn't a friendly like, hey, hope you have a great night tonight. It was yeah. like, like gross smile, icky vibe. Yeah. It was not. I chill. think it was also just like nonsense, like mentally ill. Yeah, totally nonsense. Totally, totally, yeah. totally. It was. It was. He was not well. Yeah. And um, and I of course decided to be like get the fuck away from us we're not fucking talking to you we're not here to fucking meet you get the fuck out of our lives because that's just like how i lauren got so mad i got so (laughs) mad at him i was just like because he was just like standing there talking at us while we're trying to have yeah a conversation invading our our special moment our special moment and like and I'm just fucking sick and tired of dudes invading my life. Every time I'm in public, I'm just sick and tired of it. I can't handle it anymore. And yet, I'm only 35 and I hope to live a very long life. And thus, I'm going to have to handle this for the rest of my life. Because we live in this fucking disgusting racist patriarchy. So, like, okay. So. And and I also had just come off of, like, someone, a construction worker on my block has been harassing me. And I verbally, like, got into it with him. And he called me a cunt and a bitch and all this different stuff because I didn't want to talk to him. And I just started, like, screaming down the block. Like, why would I want to fucking talk to you, old man? Like, fucking leave me alone. Like, I don't fucking know you. And I just, like, went off. Yeah. And so I had, that had just happened, I think, that week. Yeah. And I had had enough of it. And so this guy, and I don't think it had registered with me so much that he was mentally ill. Yeah. It had just registered with me that this guy is standing there staring at us and yeah. we're in our bathing suits and we're like not clothed and, you know, we're trying to have this. And it's like, why can't women just go to the fucking beach and be left the fuck alone? Yeah. I, why can't we just be left alone? Yeah. And like being mentally ill doesn't make him not a creep. No, like, it, exactly. Unfortunately. Exactly. Like, yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, and, um, and so I scream at him because <laughs> I had hit my limit t- a couple days previously. <laughs> I was already at max. I was. I had maxed out <laughs> before this day had even dawned. And he had yet to max out. Oh, <laughs> he, had, he had only just begun. And then it really started and to then get it started. hysterically it funny from my perspective. <laughs> I was enraged. Lauren was so mad. I was enraged. I was dying laughing because, because of- he was calling us cowgirls. <laughs> and he was calling us Westerners. And he was saying we were like, this we didn't belong beach. here. Yeah. Go back to the West. Go back to, you know, the ranch. Go back, cowgirls. <laughs> and he was using all this, like, cowgirl language right. to tell us to, like, get off his beach. And I was like, whoa, like... At first, I was just like, what the fuck is he talking about? This is crazy. And then I was like, oh, man, he's right. This is America. (laughs) Dark America. Fourth of July weekend. We are totally on his fucking land. Yeah, this is it. We suck. (laughs) I know. Becca's like, Lauren, it's not that bad. He's calling us cowgirls. (laughs) And... He, and so then I told him I'm going to, and then I told him I'm calling the police and he went crazy. And then you fake called and the police And then I fake called phone. the police on the phone because I thought that I was dealing with someone a little bit more rational than yeah. I thought that I was. 
And I did fake call the police. <laughs> we had had a few glasses of There was a lot. There was some rosé involved. And so I fake called the police and I fake talked to the police. <laughs> and he did not care. Yeah. Like literally couldn't care less. Yeah. And kept calling us cowgirls. There was a couple other amazing things he was saying, but I can't remember them. And we were trying. It was so hard. Because we also wouldn't. You bunch of Westerners. Go back to the West. Yeah, go back. Go back. <laughs> and we also wouldn't allow ourselves to discuss this incident until we podcasted. And it's been now 14 days. And so we knew we'd lose some of it, but we literally like wouldn't let ourselves talk until about anything that had just happened to us. So there were these other two gentlemen who were very friendly. However, they were checking out our bodies a lot more than I wanted them to beforehand. So I was already pissed off at them. But there were these other two gentlemen and they were witnessing it all. And they definitely would like were on our side, like would have come if this guy like tried to attack us, like these people would have at least witnessed it, maybe not come to our rescue, but like had been would not have left us there. Yeah. Um, They seemed like that was at least in their. They were like witnessing. They were witnessing. Yeah. Um, and eventually, and they, this guy just like wouldn't stop screaming at us, screaming, yeah, it, it turned screaming, into a lot of yells. screaming, scre- yeah. and 10 feet away from us, screaming, screaming, screaming. Yeah. We couldn't have a conversation, just screaming, screaming, screaming. And so I, we were talking like, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? And I, you know, I, of course, I'm like, I don't want to fucking leave this fucking word. <laughs> this is our beach too. And fuck this motherfucker. <laughs> Because I'm so mad all the time. <laughs> and my mom thinks I should start boxing because of it. And <laughs> she does. To, like, get out my rage. She told me that, you know, with all your rage, Lo, with all your rage, I think boxing would be good for you. That's, <laughs> that's hysterical. That's such a sweet It's suggestion. the sweetest thing I've ever yeah. heard in my life. Do you know, oh, no, I think that'd be great. <laughs> with all your rage. <laughs> with all your with rage. All your rage like a it's cop, like a, just it's a like, great opening to any With all your rage, fill in the blank. Yeah. <laughs> Send your send your clauses, <laughs> please to realhighsoulsofbehavior@gmail.com. Um, so we, um, so yeah, we had the gentleman sitting next to us ended up getting our attention to show us that the police were on their little dune buggy, yep, coming our way. And that's what killed Frank O'Hara. So so. Well, I had been looking out for the dune buggy for a while at mm-hmm. that point mm-hmm. because of the rosé. Right. Because <laughs> we were breaking the law. And so, actually, at JT's picnic, a lawyer told me that you can get a misdemeanor for drinking in Damn. the park now. And it's not just a ticket. And so... I had this in my head, and I was, like, looking out for the dune buggy and the cops, and I was like, okay, like, we, we got to hide from the cops. We can't get busted. And then we see and the cops. Then. <laughs> and what do I do? <laughs> but jump, and these guys alert me to it, and I jump up and wave them down. Yeah. Because I have had, and I'm take drunk. I take swell bottle, and I put it in yeah. my bag, and then I take a swig out of this other bottle casually, like, I'm just drinking water. Yeah, this so is that one was water. water. Yeah, yeah, right. And I, I wave them down, and I'm drunk. I mean, I, I mean, to be honest, right, like, we had had a bunch of rosé, and so I'm, like, under the influence, and I wave them down because I've had enough, and because... I have been in a 
privileged position to believe that police officers are not going to hurt me. And so, which we're going to talk about in a second, but, um, so I, I wave these guys down and they, they come down and they come out. And as soon as they stop the dune buggy and I'm faced with them, I realize I might slur my words. Yeah. Like I am not sober. sober. And I start, I was like, this guy just started, came over here and he's like, what did he follow you? And I was like, no, he didn't follow us. He just sat down next to us. And he started screaming at us and he's been staring at us and he's been screaming like this for the last 10 minutes and we just don't know what to do. We're just trying to have a nice time. It's my friend's birthday. And of course I'm like, now I'm like chummy chum and I'm like letting them all know. Yeah. It was. And I'm shaking in Becca's my boots. terrified. <laughs> and I'm like all I'm like, sorts we're of arrested. like. We're totally yeah. getting arrested. And then it, it hit me as I was talking, as I was like, oh my God, don't slur your words that like maybe I have just made us arrested because we're the ones breaking the law, not this guy. And not at all because we are two pretty blonde white girls that are asking the police for their help with a man of color. He was, I think he looked Latino, I I think, think right? And his accent also sounded a little bit Latino. I think so. And so here we, and who's mentally ill. Yeah. And here, and so, and then all of a sudden it started hitting, all the dynamics of it started hitting me too. Like, oh my God, Lauren, like, okay. I mean, yes, we have been threatened. Yeah. This person has threatened our lovely day. Yeah. Not necessarily our bodies, but he was, I mean, he was in, once I yelled at him, he was enraged. He was screaming at us. He was screaming for many, like 10 minutes straight screaming without stopping, screaming. There was no way to like ignore it and relax. No, 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 it wasn't like that. And I wasn't convinced that he wouldn't follow us if we moved. Yeah. Like I, and he was, did have a cane, so he wasn't as mobile as us, but I wasn't convinced that he wasn't going to follow us. And so the police kind of left us there, talked to him, told him he had to go, that he wasn't allowed to scream at us. But again, this guy was not breaking any rules. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of like when men take pictures up women's skirts and the cops are like, "Eh, it's not illegal. Sorry, there's nothing I can do about it. Or like when you're being stalked and there's like, oh, there's nothing I can do about it. They haven't broken any laws yet. So it was an interesting dynamic. The cops then eventually told us that we should go too because of the, you know, he, because the guy got up and walked 10 feet away and sat back down. Yeah. And then the one officer came up and asked, said to us that we should go. And you also thought we should go at a certain point. And I think I was just like deer in headlights. Right. Like, oh my God, what's going on? What's happening? Like, I had to just sit here. Yeah. Right. I was like, no, we're going to tell the police we're leaving, but we'll just (laughs) leave now. Like, I I was like paralyzed. Yeah. And then they were like, it's probably better if you guys just like, get out of here. Get out of here to like de-escalate the situation. We're like, yeah, of course. Okay, bye. Great. So then, yeah, we we walk away. We walk away unharmed. Unharmed. We go to Coney Island. Totally trusted. Everything we say. And then, and then, you know, in the last week or so, as we are all Americans, so we know what's been going on in terms of the murders made by police and the police that have been murdered um, in the last couple weeks, we, I guess 10 days even. Um, and so we just felt it was sort of our responsibility to talk a little bit about 
not necessarily Black Lives Matter, which is something we support, but um, what it means to be a white woman, white women interacting with the police. Yeah. Because it clearly looks very different than a lot of other groups of people that interact mm-hmm. with the police. And um, so, yeah, we... I think I, I think we both feel that it's our responsibility to just kind of unpack what that looks like a little bit. Yeah. Um, because I was drunk breaking the law and absolutely without question jumped up, no consideration, and flagged down the police to have them come help us. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I just I I mean I have a co- I have a bun- I have stories, which I've been telling Becca. I don't know if I need to, should I jump into yeah, some sure. of them now? Yeah, sure. Um, well, let me start when I was five, (laughs) but truly when I was five, there was a police officer named Tony who was the, um, crossing guard at the, for the Latin school of Chicago, which is the school I went to. And it's in the gold coast in Chicago. So the most privileged neighborhood in all of the city of Chicago. Um, and it, he was the crossing guard and yet he made my mom kiss him and other mothers kiss him on the cheek or like hug him as they were walking as we were walking to school so my mom and I would take a different route to because she didn't want to see Tony and officer Tony he eventually got uh he eventually was asked to leave I think um and this doesn't really go towards the me feeling safe with police officers yeah. but it did it, I did feel safe with Tony he was nice to all of us mm-hmm. I didn't know why he wanted everybody to kiss him. There was a price to pay. Yeah, there was a price protection. to pay for it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, but he. But that was that was an early interaction with the police for me. Um, then there was a time when I was um, a party girl in Chicago. And I was at the Metro, and I had this absolutely exquisite photo identification photo of me with my like gorgeous blonde locks and like my tan <laughs> face and like. Hippie Lauren, twenty prettiest girl at yeah, the DMV, pr- prettiest girl there ever was at the DMV. Like just like so, just it, truly, I can't believe I had to turn it in because <laughs> it was just like I would still have it be my profile picture, and um, I was trying to get an over twenty one bracelet, and because I had my hair pulled back and I was sweaty and gross from dancing, the bouncers didn't think it was me, which was insulting. Um, and I, they asked me to like sign my name, my signature, and I had just changed the way I signed my signature because I felt that the way that I signed it would take too long for when I had book signings, mm-hmm. so that I better change it now as a move towards the universe so they know I want to publish books. I, I'm even going to change my signature. So I couldn't remember which one was on <laughs> the ID, and I signed it and they were like, nope, that's not it. And I immediately called the police over and was like, officer, officer, help, help. Like, they're trying to take my ID. It's me. Like, meh. And like the officer was t- totally took my side, made them give me back my ID. was like, this is her. Yeah. You guys are being crazy. So like without question, took my side. Um, and then there's, I think that I've, I mean, now I'm just like filing through my stories, but um, this is a little bit of a longer one, but I, I think I told this a long, long time. So if you're a long time listener, you've maybe heard this before, but, um, long time listener, long, first, first time, time email, yeah. <laughs> email us guys. 
Um, it's a big theme. It's a big theme. <laughs> but yeah, I had um, I had a stalker when I was 13, and um, he was black. I was white, still am. And I lived in a part of Lincoln Park, which now in Chicago is like a very fancy neighborhood. But the part in which I lived in when I was growing up was like, um, it was the safest neighborhood in Chicago next to O'Hare because so many police officers live there. Mm. So it wasn't this like ritzy Lincoln Park is what it is now. It was... um, it was much more so middle class. You, you than, grew up among police yeah, officers. But I guess so. That's yeah. kind of an interesting yeah. and thing that's something, to know. Yeah, and yeah. like I don't ever think I've thought about that. And you know, the the White Hen Pantry, which is like a Seven Eleven, that's where they all hung out. So if there were there were other yeah there were other times. I mean, I guess growing up in the city too. But like there were other times where you just like if there was a problem, you just go to White Hen. They're definitely going to be cops there, and they come and help you. Interesting. Um. So. I had this stalker and he would come to our house when it was just my mom and me and my little baby sisters who had just been born. They were infants. And we called the police and he, the police got him and talked to him, but there was nothing they could do about it. And so then he started only coming to the house when I was home alone with either home alone or with my baby sisters. And so he was watching us a lot. So he knew like when the, when Ugh. my parents were gone and I was terrified, I mean, terrified. And I would, I, I would be upstairs in my bedroom and think that he could like, if he, when the doorbell would start ringing, cause he'd come into the doorbell and ring and ring and ring and bang on the door and say, I'm going to come and get you. I'm coming in. I'm, I'm going to find oh, you. I'm fuck. coming in. It was intense. It was crazy. And thus, I don't trust men, right? So, like, oh my god, yeah, it was really, it was, an, I never it was, heard this story. maybe I didn't tell it. Yeah, I, it's, it's, it was, it was terrifying, and and it happened all the time. And he didn't, I, as far as I know, he didn't follow me around the city, but he came to the house all the time. And so, as soon as he would start ringing the doorbell, and my bedroom looked out over on the street, so I could like look and see who was at the door and so I could see this person and he um I could always I always felt like he could hear my footsteps even upstairs that he would like know what part of the house I was in so that if he did come in he would find me and he'd find my sisters and I oh god I could like cry and like how I was supposed to protect my baby sisters and like you know and and there was sometimes a babysitter there for my sisters sometimes it was just me with my sisters and I didn't know how, what to do. And I remember, um, and he would eventually just leave. It would last for like 25 minutes. Bang, mm. bang, 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 bang on the door. And it was like a glass door. So mm. you could like, I was scared he was going to shatter it and come inside. It was just, it was terrifying. And so once the police had been called and involved, they were like, you know, just call us again. And so then he would come and I think my mom had called him a couple times, to- called the cops a couple times but finally it happened where my, the Bulls, it, this was the early 90s, guys, and the Bulls were winning mm-hmm. all the time. It was during the, you know, three-peat and then another three-peat. So my mom and my stepfather, Chad, were at a Bulls game. And I think, I guess there had to be a babysitter with my sisters, but I remember being alone. Mm. So I don't know, maybe my sisters were somewhere out, like at, I don't know what, I don't, I, they had to be there, I guess. Um 
that's, but it, I was alone. I know I was alone because I locked myself into my mom's bed. So maybe this, maybe I have the stories confused that they weren't at a Bulls game. Mm-hmm. So anyway, they, so I was alone in the house and the doorbell starts ringing and banging and I realize I have to call the police and I'm terrified to call the police because of what it means. It means I'm actually in trouble. Yeah. It doesn't mean that, you know, this is like, it just, it hit me that that's what it meant and I didn't want to do it. And I locked myself in the back room, which was my mom and Chad's room and called the police and they knew who I was because, I mean, maybe dispatch didn't, but the like precinct that I was in knew who I was because this had been happening. Yeah. And um, so they immediately the house is just surrounded by cops and you know they're talking to me and the guy hears the sirens and leaves so now i'm terrified because you know whatever that and they have his name because they had found him before Uh. so now there's a warrant out for him because they had told him if he comes back he's it's Mm -hmm. he's in big trouble so now there's a warrant out for him and my mom and chad had to go to court and they i wasn't brought to court because they didn't want him to show up and me have to see him and all this different stuff so they went to court and he never came back mm-hmm. until maybe three or four months later. Um, I'm home alone again. Ugh. And um, the doorbell rings. And it rings again. And I look outside of my window. So you must have just never answered the doorbell in your life. No. I mean, right. No. No. And um, so I look out my window and I see an African-American man standing outside but he look he's dressed well and the stalker was never dressed well yeah but this guy has like a fedora on he has like a trench coat on and i was and i i mean god i can remember it so perfectly i was convinced that he had dressed up because he was going to kill me today and that's what was going to happen that he had like put his best clothes on because he was going to come into the house and kill me this time and so i march into my parents' room, lock the door, call the police. And I'm like, and defiant this time. Like, he, he keeps coming for me. You have to come. And instantly, the house is surrounded by police officers. And the guy has already left now. No screaming, no yelling, no banging. But doorbells ringing, black man on the porch. All of a sudden, I'm talking to police officers. I'm terrified to open the door in case he's hiding in the bushes and he's going to come and kill me anyway. And the next thing I know, there is a suspect being slammed into the roof of, or not roof, the uh, hood of the car, arms behind his back, and it's the guy in a fedora and this trench coat. And they look at me. And I'm standing there by myself, 13 years old, in the doorway of the empty house. And they asked me to identify him. And it's not the stalker. Oh, man. Right? Uh. It's a, it's a um, black man selling Bibles and asking for donations for his church. Oh, man. Right? Right? So... I mean, you did not ask I had, to be put in that position. No, and I had and no idea. And that is just a shitty position. I had no idea, right? Yeah. Like, I had no clue. But the way that he was treated versus the way that I was treated as a young white girl who is in distress yeah. versus the way that this black man who did not live in the neighborhood, who was trying to raise funds for his church, got... Um, I can't stop crying on our podcast. It's like crazy. Um... 
And I, and I, and God, it took, there was a moment where I was like, well, what do I say? Do I say the truth that it's not him? Or do I, do I say, like, there was this moment where I was so embarrassed that I had called the police on this person that I didn't know what to do. And I, of course, and you know, not of course, I mean, but I ended up saying, you know, that's not him. Unfortunately, not of course, but yeah, 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 right. Good choice. Yeah. So, and of course I, you know, so I ended up saying that's not him and I never got to say, like, I never got to be like, I've been stalked for the last, like, I don't, and, 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 and what does that even matter in terms of like this man's life? I mean, you know, it's a, it's, you know, a coincidence that he knocked on my door and I had been having this, you know, trauma and terror in my life. Um, But I I say this story because I am a white woman who has experienced tremendous privilege, who has, who is protected by the police and... I, I have never known what it is to fear the police. I think one of the first times I ever thought about fearing the police was watching the movie Crash hmm. and seeing Matt Dillon, you know, assault Thandie Newton, I think is her character. She, I, think I never Newton. saw it. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Um, he, you know, it's a black couple in a car and they get pulled over by white cops and he... Um, basically rapes her with his fingers in front of her his her husband as an act of guess like I'm never gonna see it yeah <laughs> guess it's not gonna happen and um, I remember being like wait a minute the police aren't all just good and I mean that movie came out when I was in maybe 20 25 yeah. you know in my old enough to have experienced life yeah and yet it was. I mean, now again, Tony, when I was five, needed kisses from us, and we took a different route. So I wasn't old enough to understand that he could be a predator. Right. But I also could have never under could have never even considered the idea that calling nine one one when you're in trouble isn't the thing that makes you safest. Right. And I just needed to testify to that that yeah. that 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 is my experience, yeah. and that is not the experience of everybody else, and. Um, I feel that it's my duty to say those things. Um, I don't know how it helps, yeah. but I think it does unpack. Well, it's complicated because you felt protected, but you were also in a dangerous situation. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I like, was. It's, not, it's not a simple thing, you know? Yeah. So it's not like you were just like being paranoid. Or something. Right, right, right. It wasn't was like yeah. banging on your door. Yeah, he was stalking. Terrifying. Me. Yeah, it was terrifying. It's, like, it's a horror movie. Yeah, it was, it was. It was. I mean, yeah. it, it was a horror movie. And yeah, I mean, I've, you know, I've like run my mouth. Like the cops pulled over a cab I was in at like four o'clock in the morning, and I was super drunk and. It was taking too long for what I in this was like this year. <laughs> yeah, and I was like pissed off that like. I had to wait for the fucking cops and men and like I got out and like started confronting the police like what the fuck like like the audacity like people get killed yeah. for confronting the police in the way that I did and yet they just let me run my mouth yeah. and that is something that needs to be said I guess yeah. you know this drunk white girl can come at 4 o'clock in the morning on Atlantic Avenue and be like you know I want to get home 
I'm trying to get all I want to do is get home what you're gonna make me walk alone home thanks a lot police officers thanks a lot for endangering me NYPD I'm tweeting I'm like tweeting at the NYPD like yeah. how could you let me do this like these motherfuckers and it's like what Lauren Patricia that is <laughs> not the experience of everybody and how dare you like not how dare you I, I you know it's that's just my experience but I, you know, it's a, I just, I needed to say these things yeah. because of the climate that we're in. I, I, I needed to unpack that and to be honest about the fact that I have experienced police in a different way than my black and brown sisters and my black and brown brothers have. Right. And it's not Okay. I've always been terrified of cops. <laughs> I mean, I have a fear of authority in general. <laughs> so, like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I feel like everything I have to say has to do with, like, my own weird psychology. It's <laughs> like, not really a cultural commentary. Sure. Um, but maybe it is. Maybe I'll figure out that it is. If we'll find I, a way. If I talk about it a little bit. So, <laughs> so, I grew up in the suburbs of Milwaukee. Like, you know, very white place to grow up. Like, most segregated city in the United States. Mm. Da-da-da. Um, the cops. What people would always say about the cops in our neighborhood was... They've got nothing better to do. And what, uh, what that meant was that they liked to bust kids, teenagers yeah. for just doing whatever. Yeah. And a lot of it was underage drinking. So when we had parties and stuff, like we lived in constant fear of the cops busting our parties. And they always did because there would just be like cars parked in the driveway. They knew what was happening. And they would just walk up to the door and then like find a way to start arresting people. And so it was like... Unless you were, like, really careful about hiding your party, your party almost always got busted and people got underage drinking tickets it's and all like that stuff. It's, like, on the invite slash flyer. <laughs> yeah. It's, like, no, walk here. Like, one classic. Here. I, don't, I don't mean to throw Frosky under the bus, but one very classic party happened when my parents drove my grandparents to the airport, which is, like, half an hour away, half an hour back. So they had... One hour. Oh my god! <laughs> to have a party, and Fro and her friends like got busted and taken down to the station within a sixty-minute <laughs> period. Always <laughs> <laughs> so like it happened at so many parties. That oh my god, you, teenagers! It was just like a very real possibility that anytime you had a party, you were gonna get busted. And so I was like, when I would like show up at a party, I would like look around for the hiding spots. Like it yeah, was just, it sure. was just part of my like mo. So anyway, um, I didn't ever technically get busted for underage drinking, but eighth grade graduation, oh <laughs> special boy. night, eighth oh grade graduation. I'd A re- special night in every young lady's life. <laughs> I'd, I'd read the poem at eighth grade graduation. Yeah, yeah you I'd did. been selected. Oh my God, please and I never know it. stop. I know the poem. What poem was it? I look around today. I know, I mean, I wrote it. Say it. Oh, I look w- around today and know there is no way ever truly say goodbye for happiness does not end and these tears I cry 
strongly and clearly defy the end. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure that's verbatim. Anyway, it went on a little more than that. So that was my eighth grade graduation poem. It rhymed. It was awesome. And then we like went to party in Molly's basement and we were like passed around like two beers and yeah. like you know, we're 13, we're liberated, we're about to go to high school, whatever. And then it's like 11 p.m. It's like not even late. And we decide to go to the school playground and like go on the swings by her house. And it's after curfew and you're not allowed to be out like maybe right. in general at that age or maybe just on this location. I can't remember. So these cops pull into the parking lot of the school where we're on the playground and we all just go running yeah, right. in all sorts of directions. One person like swam in a muddy creek and got completely like caked in mud oh and like made it all the way or something and like, <laughs> like some kind of mystical journey through the sewer like one person like you know tried to run and got busted i ran and i hid in this corporate forest behind this weird office building corporate forest that's how i've always thought of it please at the, please, at the time i think i called it that at the time so there were just like, there was just like a bunch of foliage and trees and stuff. And so I just thought I could like hide in there and be pretty well covered. And so it was working for a while. And then all of a sudden I hear this cop like rustling through the bushes <gasps> and he's shining his flashlight. Oh my flashlight. God, I would be so scared. <laughs> I would be so scared. He's shining his flashlight and he is mean. And he's like, you little bitch. <gasps> Get out of here. He called you a bitch? Oh, yeah. I mean, he hadn't seen look me Look at yet. me. Look at my <laughs> privilege of thinking that, I, like, <gasps> he yeah. called you what? Totally. Oh, my so God. So he hadn't even seen me yet, but he was calling me a little bitch, and I was hearing all his all his sayings, and I was like, oh, my God, I'm totally busted. And up to this point in my life, I had been, like, perfectly behaved 100% and never gotten in trouble for anything. So it was also like, oh, oh no. no. It was, like, oh, very no. Bad. It was like it was like he was calling for me and I was like gonna be in big trouble. And so yeah, so he found me and then I had to go down to the station and I didn't get arrested, but my parents did have to pick me up like in the middle of the night and but I didn't you know, I was thirteen but still like right. I didn't get arrested or anything. And then later I was sixteen and Jenny and I honor sisters <laughs> stolen to a warehouse uh, that we all used to break into. I don't want to give too much away because they could still bust us for it. I feel like we got we really got away with something because we would go to this warehouse a lot. And then finally, one time we went there to throw our friend Tara a surprise going away party because um, she loved the warehouse the most. And we brought streamers and cupcakes, and we were setting up this party. But we left the door open, and the cops drove by. Nothing better to do, as they say. Wow. And they see, like, a door open on an abandoned warehouse and decide to go investigate. Right. So then they come, and they find us. <laughs> to see a birthday party <laughs> with streamers. And they're asking us all these questions, and we had, like, totally vandalized the whole place with lipstick. We had written, like, 420 and Jen, Jenny was, like, cheerfully explaining what 420 meant to the cops, which is, like, <laughs> one of the funniest moments of all of life. <laughs> and, because uh, it's, like, you know. Yeah. yeah. And uh, they know. They know. Yeah, it's so, like they get it. Yeah. They so. get it. Well, it's actually, turns out 420 is their. That's the thing. Yeah, it's, it's, like, like they're the ones who created de- it. It's deeply <laughs> embedded in the, <laughs> 
a police officer's knowledge base. <laughs> it's they made theirs. it up. <laughs> yeah. They're the ones that own it. So that was very funny. <laughs> and you know, some people who had been there with us at some point had smashed some security cameras, and they were like noticing that. And we were like, "Yeah, we don't know." Da, da, da. But they did arrest us, and they handcuffed us, and they took us down the station and booked us, and fingerprints, mugshots, everything. Um, and our parents had to come get us or whatever. And at this point, my parents had kind of, like, given up. Sorry, Mom. Uh, <laughs> but I think they were like, whatever, here we are again. <laughs> they, they had four four independent girls on their hands. But also, like, thank you for raising four independent women. You know what I mean? Like, and that's cool. They are just like, okay, this again. And so, like, the first time, after eighth grade, I got grunted for the whole summer. But this time, they were just like, we think you learned your <laughs> which right. i had sure. and and the cops gave us our freaking cupcakes back which See, this is the thing this right. is the part of the story where it's like i think they were just like making a big show of it and yeah. like you know they definitely could have been pop cupcakes or something you know like but they just like gave us all our stuff back for the party and like you know even though we got arrested which was unfortunate and you know right did lead to some minor consequences later um it wasn't great to have that on my record they yeah they just sort of like treated us like we were just sort of innocent teenage girls and no threat no well and that's i think if that going away party was being you know thrown by four 16 year old black boys yeah i mean in a warehouse with i mean they'd be lucky to be alive yep Right? That's right. It's yep. interesting. I forget about the fact that I was arrested yeah. <laughs> for planning a protest yeah. against, uh, at the University of Northern Colorado, the writer of a book called The Natural History of Rape, who, do- who did um, research on the dung beetle and the scorpion fly and how they rape in insect world, and that's how they reproduce. And thus men rape out of a biological need. Um, I was coming to our college. Because men are like insects. Flies. Right. Like I was like, <laughs> but like seriously, I do you see know. Logic. Do you see I the logic. logic. <laughs> like, but do you know what you're trying to say, friend? Like that. So we like, me and my professor got arrested together because we planned. Yeah, yeah we did. College. Yeah, we did college, college. Hippie and college. it was college, co- it was so much fun. And um, yeah, we got like handcuffed and put into the same. Mm, I aspire to be that kind of professor. I hope, truly. And I like hung out at our house and like in up in the mountains, like went to kind of a Bernadette Mayer type of situation. Yeah. Not with the like legendary status, but like a party. And we rode, she had horses and like we rode her horses and like, smoked opium like it was like with my professor like that's nice. crazy um and yeah it was it was um i remember being put into the back of the police car and like hysterically laughing crying because yeah. i couldn't believe like i couldn't believe yeah. that i was being arrested and i, I also think we were just hysterically crying like, yeah we took it really hard yeah i <laughs> took it i was like laugh like i couldn't believe it and i also felt like um I have arrived as an activist. Mm-hmm. That's right. I am 19. 
I have been arrested. Mm-hmm. Maybe I was 20. Yeah, you put yourself on the line. I put myself, we stopped traffic. I was arrested mm-hmm. for failure to obey a lawful order. Um, I really wanted it to be civil disobedience. I asked them, actually, I think. But but also, like, what privilege is that to be yeah. like, could you change could it, actually? Call because, it like, I kind of feel like that's what they did in the <laughs> 60s more. So, like, if you could, like, change it, please. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, um, I, mean, I forget about that. I was 19. Your brain wasn't fully developed. Thank, thank you so much for saying that. <laughs> Yeah, so, like, that was, I, but, yeah, but, you know, I got, I was not beat up. I was not treated Ill, poorly. I was, you know, treated with respect by the police officers. Yeah. And, like, I just think, I, 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 there's, at this point in my life, there's only one way that I see that happening, and it's because of the color of my skin. Yeah. Like, now Period. we know. Like now, we know, now. I mean, that's the thing. It's I like, know now. We, Other people we have now known for years. to, like, all the fucking pain and suffering and educating of people of color, like, now we get to realize, like, what a privilege this has all been. Right, exactly. And um, we don't take it lightly. Right. And it's it's something that I just saw this thing is, like, you know, um, the violence isn't new, it's the cameras that are new. And it's, like, right. That's right. The privilege that for me to have never really realized what trauma and, Mm -hmm. and, and... you know, murderous disrespect and reckless behavior the police have yeah. in black and brown communities is, um, yeah, it's something I never experienced until it started being yeah. filmed and put in social media helps that, you know, all that kind of stuff. You know. But it's like the white folks in the world in, in America right now are having the awakening. It's not the people uh-huh, of color because they're they're like, they're like okay, this has been time. our lives yeah you know and um and this is a flawed analogy as all analogies are but you know we talk about street harassment a lot on the show and i feel like there is a parallel in the last like five years or so with like holla back and just like people kind of like putting up their experiences on social media Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that men have started to realize that this is a daily part of women's reality and that like men and women live in different realities because of this because of the fact that women get harassed on the street so often and men not only don't get harassed but don't even see it they don't yes and so like in the same way yeah. Yeah. And so you're, I, I think you're right. I think there's an interesting parallel and a lot of it does have to do with smartphones and with um, like kind of citizen journalism and participatory media and all this stuff where like all of a sudden all of this information is out there and we are starting as white people to understand the realities of people of color. And I think men are starting to understand the realities of women because like that's what your smartphone is. It's like a body camera, right? Yep, totally. And so totally. it's really, you know, it's like a painful moment because it's a moment of reckoning, but hopefully we won't fuck it up and hopefully we'll, like, stay conscious and, mm-hmm. and um, you know, try to... Keep uncovering, keep unveiling. Yeah. There's, you know, we're probably a long way from any sort of truth and reconciliation, and yet the veils continue to be lifted. Yeah. And, you know, if you try to fuck with us... The only thing that you're going to need to do is fucking run. Mother. Fuck.